Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of renal artery stenosis from the renal section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 23-year-old woman with no significant past medical history presents to her primary care physician for an annual physical exam. She was found to have a blood pressure of 156 over 94 millimeters of mercury. She has never had any episodes of high blood pressure in the past, and she has no family history of hypertension. She is prescribed Captopril. After two weeks, she presents to the emergency room with hypertensive urgency. Captopril was immediately stopped, and after stabilizing her blood pressure, an ultrasound revealed bilateral renal artery stenosis. Let's now get into the topic. Let's start with a brief introduction about this topic. In terms of the clinical definition, renal artery stenosis occurs when one or both of the renal arteries are narrowed. This often causes renovascular hypertension. With respect to the epidemiology and prevalence, the prevalence rate is 7% in the United States. It is present in up to one-third of patients with malignant or resistant hypertension. With respect to the demographics, atherosclerotic disease and fibromuscular dysplasia are the two main populations. Atherosclerotic disease patients are usually greater than 50 years of age, and fibromuscular dysplasia patients are usually young women. Risk factors include atherosclerosis and its risk factors such as smoking and fatty diet, fibromuscular dysplasia, in kidney transplant patients, high calcium or phosphorus levels, and high low-density lipoprotein cholesterol levels. Respective to its pathogenesis, it is caused by narrowing of the artery lumen due to atherosclerosis, fibromuscular dysplasia, or other causes of narrowed arteries that lead to reduced renal perfusion. Reduced perfusion leads to activation of the renin-angiotensin system, where increased renin levels cause hypertension, hypokalemia, and hypernatremia. Chronic renal hypoperfusion leads to chronic stimulation and hyperplasia of the juxtaglomerular apparatus. In unilateral renal stenosis, angiotensin II induces pressure natriuresis of the non-stenotic kidney, causing hyponatremia in conjunction with hypertension. In bilateral renal stenosis, it can lead to volume overload, heart failure, and pulmonary edema. Associated conditions of renal artery stenosis include other manifestations of atherosclerotic disease, such as carotid artery disease, lower extremity artery disease, and coronary heart disease. With respect to the prognosis, a negative prognostic variable involves elevated serum creatinine, comorbid heart disease, and comorbid chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or COPD. Survival with treatment is 91% at 1 year, 67% at 5 years, and 41% at 10 years. Let's now discuss the clinical presentation involving the history and physical exam findings of renal artery stenosis. With respect to the history, hypertension before 30 years of age is a common history finding. Note that if abrupt onset in a young woman, consider fibromuscular dysplasia. Other history findings include resistant or malignant hypertension, worsening renal function after taking ACE inhibitors or angiotensin receptor blocking agents, as this may indicate bilateral renal artery stenosis because ACE inhibitors and ARBs further decrease glomerular filtration rate and worsen renal function. And lastly, sudden unexplained volume overload, which is associated with heart failure or pulmonary edema. 
with respect to the physical exam findings in the extremities you may have edema if volume overloaded in the abdomen you may notice an abdominal or flank bruit through systole and diastole and vital signs would show hypertension in terms of diagnostic imaging the main modalities include ultrasound, CT angiography, and MR angiography. In terms of indications of ultrasound, it is often the initial imaging modality in those less than 60 years of age in patients with suspected RAS. The sensitivity of ultrasound ranges between 88 and 93%, and the specificity of ultrasound ranges between 82 and 89%. CT angiography is indicated in patients with normal renal function and suspected RAS. Its sensitivity is 90% and specificity is 94%. And finally, MR angiography is indicated in patients with renal insufficiency and suspected RAS. Its sensitivity ranges between 75 and 97% and specificity ranges between 64 and 93%. Let's now talk about other diagnostic studies used in renal artery stenosis. First up are labs. These include serum creatinine and urine protein. Serum creatinine is used to assess renal function. Elevated creatinine may indicate atherosclerosis-associated RAS. Normal creatinine may indicate fibromuscular dysplasia-associated RAS. Urine protein is used to assess renal function as well. In this disorder, it is typically below nephrotic range, or less than 3.5 grams in 24 hours. The next study is invasive catheter angiography. This is the gold standard for diagnosis. It is only indicated if there is a high suspicion of disease but inconclusive imaging or if revascularization is planned. The next test, histology, is used for fibromuscular dysplasia, which would show medial fibroplasia. And lastly, the diagnostic criteria is reduction of the diameter of the artery of greater than 60% and string of beads appearance on angiography and fibromuscular dysplasia. In terms of the differential diagnosis, the following differential should be a part of your list. Essential hypertension, typically responsive to therapy, primary hyperaldosteronism, which would show high levels of aldosterone levels, and obstructive sleep apnea, which would involve lethargy and fatigue. Let's now talk about the treatment of renal artery stenosis. Medical treatment involves ACE inhibitors or ARBs, and this is indicated in persistent hypertension, but contraindicated in bilateral RAS or RAS in patients with a single kidney. The next treatment modality is calcium channel blockers or beta blockers. This is given if patients do not respond to ACE inhibitors or ARBs. Operative treatment involves revascularization, and the indications include severe complications of RAS, including unexplained heart failure, unexplained pulmonary edema, chronic kidney disease, and inadequately controlled hypertension. In terms of outcomes, surgery may not improve outcomes in those with atherosclerotic RAS, but it cures up to 58% of hypertension in patients with fibromuscular dysplasia-associated RAS. Complications of revascularization include contrast-induced acute kidney injury or allergic reaction in less than 3% of patients, bleeding, hematoma, and arteriovenous fistula. And complications of this disease in general include renal dysfunction that can progress to end-stage renal disease. The incidence of this is 4% in one study of 68 adults over 39 months. And the treatment of this complication involves dialysis and kidney transplant. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. 
a 21-year-old woman, presents to her primary care physician for her annual exam. Her past medical history is significant for childhood asthma and an appendectomy at age 15. Otherwise, she has been healthy with no medical concerns at this time. Her family history is significant for hypertension in both her mother and father. On presentation, her temperature is 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit or 37 degrees Celsius, blood pressure is 157 over 95 millimeters of mercury, pulse is 78 per minute, and respirations are 17 per minute. She is started on lisinopril, and over the next week her blood pressure rises to 181 over 112. She presents again for follow-up, and a basic metabolic panel at that time is performed with the following results. Sodium level is 146 milliequivalents per liter. Potassium level is 2.7 milliequivalents per liter. Chloride level is 108 milliequivalents per liter. And bicarbonate level is 21 milliequivalents per liter. Which of the following would most likely be seen in this patient? 1. Adenoma of the adrenal cortex. 2. Atherosclerotic plaques in the renal artery. 3. Cystic change in the kidney parenchyma bilaterally. 4. Intermittent reductions in renal artery diameter. Or 5. Tumor of the adrenal medulla. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 4. Intermittent reductions in renal artery diameter. This young woman who presents with hypertension worsened by lisinopril as well as hypernatremia and hypokalemia most likely has fibromuscular dysplasia, which would present with intermittent reductions in renal artery diameter. Remember, fibromuscular dysplasia is a cause of secondary hypertension due to narrowing of the renal arteries. It typically occurs in young women and can be seen on magnetic resonance angiography as a string of beads appearance due to intermittent reductions in the diameter of the renal artery. Patients with this disease will present with severe hypertension that is refractory to antihypertensive agents and may be worsened by angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors. Furthermore, poor perfusion of the kidneys will lead to increased release of renin and subsequent production of aldosterone. Aldosterone will mediate sodium reabsorption and potassium wasting such that over time the patient will develop hypernatremia and hypokalemia. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, adenoma of the adrenal cortex may also lead to secondary hypertension because of hyperaldosteronism. However, patients with Kahn syndrome will not have worsening of hypertension after administration of lisinopril because they do not have a problem with kidney perfusion. Answer choice 2, atherosclerotic plaques in the renal artery would be seen in patients with renal artery stenosis due to atherosclerosis. In general, these patients tend to be men over the age of 50 rather than young women. Answer choice 3, cystic change in the kidney parenchyma bilaterally would be seen in patients with autosomal dominant polycystic kidney disease. This disease may present with progressive kidney failure and uremia but is unlikely to present with isolated hypertension. And finally, answer choice 5, tumor of the adrenal medulla would be seen in patients with pheochromocytoma and can present with extremely high blood pressures due to adrenergic vasoconstriction. However, these patients would not have hypernatremia and hypokalemia. In summary, fibromuscular dysplasia causes secondary hypertension in young women and can be seen as a, quote, string of beads on angiography. Next question. A 25-year-old woman presents to her primary care physician for her annual physical exam. 
Her prior medical history is significant for seasonal allergies and a broken arm at age 12 that was treated in a long arm cast. She has not had any major illnesses in the previous year and does not currently have any major complaints. On physical exam, her blood pressure is found to be 152 over 95 millimeters of mercury. Laboratory findings reveal elevated levels of renin and aldosterone. Given her elevated blood pressure, she is prescribed Captopril. However, one week later, she presents to the emergency department with a significant increase in her creatinine. At that point, Captopril is immediately stopped. Which of the following is the most likely cause of this patient's disorder? 1. Bilateral fibromuscular dysplasia 2. Kahn syndrome 3. Renal artery atherosclerosis 4. Renin-secreting tumor or 5. Unilateral fibromuscular dysplasia And the correct answer choice is answer choice 1. Bilateral fibromuscular dysplasia this young woman with hypertension and elevated renin levels most likely has fibromuscular dysplasia. Her disease is also most likely bilateral since her condition worsened after captopril administration. Remember, fibromuscular dysplasia is an abnormal narrowing of the renal arteries leading to renal artery stenosis. This obstruction of renal perfusion leads to activation of the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system and subsequent hypertension. It most commonly affects young women under the age of 30 and will present with an increased renin and angiotensin level. Notably, while angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors or angiotensin receptor blockers are generally used to treat fibromuscular dysplasia, they are contraindicated in patients with bilateral disease because they can worsen renal function and lead to hypertensive emergencies. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 2. Kahn syndrome would also present with hypertension and increased aldosterone levels. However, this condition would present with decreased renin levels. Answer choice 3, renal artery atherosclerosis would also present with similar findings. However, this condition is more common in older men as opposed to young women. Answer choice 4, a renin-secreting tumor would also present with hypertension as well as increased renin and aldosterone levels. However, it would be improved rather than worsened by angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors such as captopril. And finally, answer choice 5, unilateral fibromuscular dysplasia would also present with hypertension as well as increased renin and aldosterone levels. However, it would be improved rather than worsened by angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors such as captopril. In summary, fibromuscular dysplasia typically presents with hypertension and increased renin and aldosterone levels in young women. And that's all for this review about renal artery stenosis. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullets Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullet Step 1 podcast.